Hi all, this is Conservation Realist episode 13. I am Dr. Tara Sayuri-Witty, and this podcast is my side project to share interesting and important ideas and stories in biodiversity conservation. Just as a, a reminder, I'm so happy you're here with me. I would be even happier if you could take the time to like, share, subscribe, comment on whatever platform you are accessing this, and basically help make sure that more people who might find this interesting or useful um, learn about it. So this episode is a continuation of episode 12, where I spoke with students Anaya Martin and Angel Teagle about their experience in immersive field learning with Lenovo's Work for Humankind initiative. As a refresher, Work for Humankind is a broad initiative with specific projects, including a partnership with the HBCU, Historically Black College and University, Elizabeth City State University in North Carolina, to use technology and learning opportunities to empower diverse students and contribute to more diverse communities accessing nature. Anaya and Angel shared how positive and meaningful their time with this Lenovo project was, which certainly helped me, um, helped soothe any concerns I might have had about including this project in this podcast. Um, In this episode, I chat with Gerald Youngblood, who is the Chief Marketing Officer for Lenovo North America. I was curious to learn more about how projects like this actually come about, like how are they developed, and where do they fit into a large global company's operations and goals. This conversation is fairly brief, as I wanted to really focus more attention and time on what the students had to share. Um, But I still, I learned a lot from it anyway. What really stood out to me uh, as particularly useful for how I think about conservation is how this Work for Humankind team really paid attention to feedback from the students about what kind of project would be most useful to them, as well as the understanding that longer-term partnerships are really needed to amplify the impacts of short-term efforts. I think many of you might find this interesting in terms of thinking creatively about possible partnerships, synergies with private sector players for future projects. Um, So yeah, I'm trying a new thing where I keep my introductions short and then expand on my thoughts at the end of the episodes. So you can just jump right into hearing the conversation instead of listening to me go on and on and uh, it gives a little more context to some of my thoughts. Let's see how it goes. So a clip from the song Green Touch by Somo Twin, Zian Tet, and Min Min in Myanmar, and then the conversation. Well, um, so a, a little brief background uh, on me and the reason I'm even doing this is I 
study basically how conservation works or doesn't work. And that applies to conservation uh, on many different scales, like both on like discrete projects, like how did we fail to save an animal? But also uh, something that's become increasingly important to me is, is how people can access the field of conservation. And, and that also includes how diversity is addressed, both in terms of who's being trained to enter this and similar fields, but also um, how people in, in the general public are able to access information and, and to kind of be exposed to the fruits of conservation. And I understand that, for example, um, access by Black people to national parks is one thing that was noted in the Lenovo Work for Humankind website as, as a, an issue that needed to be addressed. I have very little patience for projects that claim to increase diversity without actually trying to get at the root causes of why diversity isn't better in the first place. So yeah. I, I was pleasantly, um, I wouldn't say surprised, but I was really happy to read about Lenovo's approach and, and also to hear from the students how the experience was for them. So yeah, I'd love to just today learn a little more about what, what kind of went on behind the scenes and coming up and, and formulating this project. So um, yeah, my first question, I guess, would be what was the driving motivation behind this project and, and its work related to increasing diversity in nature, in access to nature? Yeah, I mean, I think it really starts with our, our global efforts at, at Lenovo and the, the Work for Humankind program, which was, was actually a global program um, that, was, that was focused on providing um, the ability to work from anywhere and also having a, a positive impact on, on the places that, that you visit and that you work. And so we, we started with some um, re remote work on Robinson Crusoe Island um, and being able to, to uh, benefit on some you know, conser conservation activities out there. Um, but for this particular program, you know, we were looking in North America at um, what can we do um, here, you know, in the U.S. and, and Canada um, to extend that same thought, but was was particularly relevant to what we were dealing with uh, dealing with here. And so uh, you, you mentioned the, the National Park Service uh, research that found that six percent of National Park visitors are black and 77 percent are white. Um, and, and so, you know, that's a that's a shocking gap. Um, and in and particularly in in North Carolina, we saw a special opportunity because this year is the year of the trail. Mm -hmm. And so it's a celebration of, of of being outdoors, of national parks, of of our impact uh, on the environment. And we thought that with our relationships, existing relationships with our communities, including with um, with historically black colleges and universities, that there was a great chance to, to bring this together um, in a way that made sense. And, and also, like you mentioned, could have a lasting impact because uh, it, it's, it's actually part of a program that was, um, that was going on, you know, particularly at Elizabeth City State University um, with their emergency uh, management degree program and some of their efforts. So it, it made sense, um, but it also um, just, feels like the right thing to do and a great place to start uh, when there's 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 focus on um, you know connecting with nature in in North mm -hmm. Carolina. 
Yeah, that's great. And I'm curious, you mentioned that this uh, relationship with uh, Elizabeth, Elizabeth City College. Uh, Elizabeth State University. Yeah. All right. I keep getting it mixed up in my head, and it is a bit early for him for me. Elizabeth yeah, State course. University was was pre-existing, so I'd love <laughs> to hear a little bit more about that. How did that relationship start? Um, so we we actually have a, a relationship at Lenovo with um, all of the eleven North Carolina HBCUs, um, and so we you know we a lot of times we'll we'll lean on that network when we we have an idea like this um, to see. Um, which of those colleges, universities um, uh, could, you know, could leverage something like this, you know, so there's, there's timing, there's impact, there's the existing programs. Um, and so uh, the, this, it just so happened that for the, the timing of the program, and what the students were already studying, um, this seemed like the perfect fit for us to, to start this project. That's great. Um, I think, one of the issues I see with kind of these these, these band-aid diversity approaches is they forget that long-standing relationships with the, the groups you want to be impacting are so important. Mm -hmm. um, so how how was the program itself shaped? Was there feedback provided from collaborators at Elizabeth City State University or, or any of the students? How, how was it shaped and, and, and kind of designed? Yeah, so um, prior to the, the campaign, so, um, you know, we were able to actually uh, interview some of the students and uh, understand, you know, ha have they had any experience in nature? Um, what were they interested in? Um, and we were also at the same time looking at uh, where were the locations that that we felt like we could go to, you know, have an impact. Um, and find some some synergies there between the programs and the interests of the students. Um, so yeah, like one of the activities included what, uh, was a hurricane response and cleanup, uh, and and that was with the the U.S. Coast Guard um, and the on the Outer Banks. Um, and one of the students actually who was volunteering on that leg um, was recently accepted into the Coast Guard, and so there was a oh. there. Were some synergies there and so yeah there there was a process beforehand just to just to you know assess interest um and you know even with the with many of the students not uh, having you know camped before and and done some of those things there was definitely interest in um in what we were going to go through and and just just interest in having a positive impact in the and the the place you live, right, is um is a, a good connection for anyone, and it was relevant to what they were studying, as well. Yeah, that's fantastic, and uh, I completely relate to those who hadn't camped before. I, I was in a similar situation until I had a, a similar opportunity, and it was certainly a, a valuable learning experience. Um, so. I, I love that you, you know, talked with the students beforehand, kind of consulted with them to see what would what would be useful or interesting for them. Um, what, what, was there any other kind of care taken to ensure that this engagement would be as meaningful as possible? Do, do you guys have any way of monitoring the impact of this, or is this kind of more of a um, not informal? But are you just assuming it's going to work well, and, and then just implementing it and seeing what's happening. 
Um, not not necessarily. I mean, I think I think really we thought that there would be long term elements also because of the focus that um, that North Carolina has on this right now. Yeah. So this is the largest like celebration of of trails and outdoor recreation in the state's history, and so it was. Um, an opportunity to capitalize on that momentum and know that this is this was the beginning of something and not just a, a one-off program. So when we when we look at um, you know was it successful or not, we're also thinking about okay can can we go back to these places and see um, see the impact? Um, is this something that would kick off um, even further development for us um, internally? Because when we're looking at at um, building out new technology, we also want to make sure that there's a, a positive connection for the communities that we that we work with as well. Um, and so we've had some some groundbreaking technology that actually came out of programs like this, where we were working with local communities or indigenous um, communities. So um, one of them being um, developing. So on our mobile side, um, we've been looking at indigenous indigenous languages. Um, so the ability for um, like the Cherokee native language to be accessible through our mobile devices um, came from some work, um, not just in the U.S., but actually globally around working with indigenous communities. So so we're and we'll, we'll have continued um, uh, engagement with these HBCUs and, and this one in particular, too, to see how we can build off this this program in the future. Yeah, that's great. And uh just so you know, one of the things I asked the students was, um, you know, as as great as this program sounds like it has been for you, what are what are things that you would change? And they're like, Lenovo has to do this more. You mm. have to do it everywhere. <laughs> so I think that's pretty resounding, resoundingly positive feedback that they enjoyed the program and found it beneficial. Yeah, no, I, absolutely right. It's like you asked that question. We're like waiting for the the, uh, the the response but um but that's good to hear right i mean i think in in developing this whole like mountain to sea trail uh project uh is not the end of of our efforts in this space but um and if you think about that six percent versus 77 percent gap like there's so much work to be done um and so we're going to continue continue to do that um in, in a in a, a lot of different ways Okay, yeah, that's great. And I can really see I have a personal interest in the disability justice space. My, my brother is a non speaking mm -hmm. autistic, he uses alternative communication. And there's so much promise for, well, especially remote work, right? That, that's something that the disability justice community had been fighting for long before the pandemic. And, and now that the pandemic has made it, people realize, oh, this is actually feasible. It's really great to hear that there, you know, there are efforts at Lenovo to further facilitate ways in which people can engage with their workplaces, so to speak. So I just wanted to say that it's really exciting on multiple levels to, to hear about this. Yeah, I mean, you might be interested also in our work. We have a um, small business um, initiative and program called Evolve Small, um, where we we worked with um, underrepresented founders, female founders, um, and to support their businesses in a lot of different ways. I won't go into all the details of that program, but one of the shining stars of that program is a, a, a company called 321 Coffee, um, who has coffee shops and a roasting facility in North Carolina, but they specifically employ um, folks with intellectual and developmental differences. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, and 
And I think that path to employment as well, when you look at the unemployment number, yeah. like just, just access yeah. to, to participate, right. And contribute um, is, is super important to, um, you know, to, to us at the company, but, you know, to our communities as well. That's yeah. That's really good to hear. And I have, I guess my final question, and I don't know how, how detailed I, you might want to get with it, but I'm not so familiar with the, the space in which Lenovo and similar companies operate. And I hadn't previously really been aware of this kind of um, applied community focused impact side of, of, of companies like that. I'd really love to hear from you a little bit more of like how how does the development, let's say, of Lenovo products, how is that linked to I assume your team that's that's working to find out how these products can can serve the world in diverse ways. Is there a kind of two way feedback going on? What 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 is that process like? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you, you think about um, you know our position in um, being a global technology company, being the number one you know PC company in in the world as well. Um, we have to be really thoughtful about the materials that we use, the mm -hmm. um, our our supply chain, um, packaging. You know, all those things really um, factor into our our impact on the like 180 plus communities that we you know um, live and work in. And, and so and so, there's a lot of thought that goes on in the in the company as to you know what what can we do. Um, so we, we've um, implemented things like bamboo packaging um, and, and plastic free packaging um, in a lot of in instances to to reduce that footprint. Um, we, we lead in um, using recycled uh, material. I actually have a laptop behind me that has like um, um, uh, recycled um, magnesium or post consumer um, plastics and things like that that we we integrate into our development process mm -hmm. um, so you know there's there's a lot of thought there but if you think about even broader when I mentioned logistics it's you know how do you get these products from point A to point B and are there more sustainable ways to do that um, as well and so we have um, some goals from a sustainability um, standpoint, that uh, you know we broadly communicate uh, where we're we're really trying to be thoughtful about bringing great technology to market, but doing it in a way that um, is more more sensitive to the environment as well. Mm -hmm. um, and then and then beyond that, to kind of go back to um, the programs that we're doing in the communities, uh, we have a, an extremely diverse workforce. Okay. Um, and, and we're fortunate because we get to work with a lot of different partners as well. And, and being able to bring our best selves to work is actually bringing that diverse viewpoint that reflects our customer base as well. And so we're always looking for opportunities where we can bring our expertise on the technology side and have that be a gateway to, um, you know, breaking down barriers in these experiences. You know, I can say as a, a minority, you know, person in the in the tech space as well that um, I I've found a really great environment internally at Lenovo, um, and as a marketer, I want to make sure that we are we're showcasing that externally as well in a way that's like very authentic um, to the culture of the company. Okay, that's that's yeah, fantastic to to think about, and I, I really hadn't occurred to me that companies such as Lenovo would would have a whole kind of 
aspect to to their operations like this. And I actually do have a Lenovo computer that I'm I'm sitting in front of right now. So. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's awesome. Great. Well. Gerald, we kind of blazed through all these questions and I, I really learned a lot from your answers. I really appreciated um, speaking with you and learning more about this. Um, I don't know if there's anything else you wanted to say about this work or, or anything related to that. Um, it, no, I mean, just just it was a it was a pleasure to um, to for us to be able to work with the students. Um, yeah. And and you know see them light up with with some of the new experiences that um, you know that they got to see as part of you know this uh, this program. Um, I'd also say that like in the U.S. and Canada, we've partnered with BirdLife uh, International to create uh, really cool um, camper vans that are exploring the recording of bird songs, um, so that we can um, we can actually. Um, add to their help their conservation efforts and get a better idea of the different indigenous species as well so there's a lot of stuff going on we're doing things all over the world um mm -hmm. to, to really support um efforts of, of of trying to connect people with the environment and um and using technology in a, in a positive way so uh, i really appreciate your time and and the time of your audience to to listen and mm -hmm. if anybody wants to get in, involved they can um, you know, they can uh, check out Lenovo.com and, and see what else we're, we're working on and contribute any way that they see fit. So, yeah, thank you. Great. Thank you so much, Gerald. It was, it was a pleasure to chat.
And that was that conversation. And here I am with some some follow-up thoughts. Maybe some of you think it's a little odd that these episodes featured a corporate project. I mean, as I said in episode 12, I thought it was a little odd at first, too. Um, but I really enjoyed learning from Anaya, Angel, and Gerald about work that I would have otherwise not known about, and it really stimulated my thinking about education and training, as well as potential for partnerships with the private sector. As someone who has learned to be, let's say, mindfully skeptical of large NGOs and highly publicized international initiatives that don't have meaningful links to on-the-ground action, where there's a lot of style over substance, I'm certainly even more skeptical of corporate efforts, quote-unquote, for good. There is a lot of greenwashing, a lot of lip service to diversity and equity and inclusion, a lot of, hey, we're going to do this optically generous thing over here, so don't pay too much attention to the negative impacts we're having over there. And even where genuine good intentions exist somewhere in the genesis of such efforts, they exist somewhere in the corporate structure, they're often so enmeshed with artifice and distraction from serious questions about corporate behavior. And so my response to like the sentimental ads that you'll see put out about the social or environmental good that companies claim to do, my response is often an eye roll plus some profanity-laced response, some profanity-laced exclamation. Um, But I really did enjoy talking with Gerald as well as Angel and Anaya and learning that there are initiatives that, despite the corporate context in which they exist, actually care about having a positive impact and actually succeed in doing so. Um, Kind of a funny, somewhat related contrast, my high school, a public high school in California, was a Pepsi high school. And I didn't realize that this was strange or even mildly dystopian (laughs) until I went to college and mentioned this to other students there. And our school, Poway High School, was largely sponsored by Pepsi. Like our, our track invitational, a large track and field sporting event that we hosted was the Pepsi Poway Invitational. And our track hurdles had Pepsi logos on them. So this would have been fine, I mean, great. In theory, I mean, the school needed the money, Um, Only the sponsorship also came with insisting that our school stocked Pepsi brand vending machines and that our pep rallies had advertisement promoting Pepsi products. I'm not joking. Um, Like the students performing would take a break to, you know, encourage you to drink Mountain Dew. And it's not like high schoolers are the most health conscious demographic anyway, but still it's not the most socially responsible thing to do and certainly not the truly philanthropic thing to do to push your unhealthy products on youths in a place where their options for other beverages are limited uh, and then claim that you're being extremely generous. It just, it seems a little mixed, right? Um, Anyway, I wanted to touch on the statistic on access to national parks in the US, with 77% of park visitors being white and 6% being black. Um, A quick Google for the most recent census information shows that 13.6% of the U.S. population is black, while 75.8% is white. So this means that white uh, white people are slightly overrepresented in national park visitors, while black people are quite underrepresented. And actually, an older NPR 
article on this research um, entitles their graph showing similar data as national park visitors are more white than the US. Um, and this figure is copied in the transcript. And please note that this is based on older data, 2008 to 2009. Um, and this study also showed that Hispanic and Asian people are also rep underrepresented as park visitors, while Native Americans were only slightly underrepresented. I haven't, honestly, had the time to delve more into the more recent reports used by Lenovo, nor other research papers on this topic of national park visitation. I can say, um, along similar lines, I volunteered in the past with efforts to help urban, underserved communities in San Diego access the ocean um, through snorkeling events. You know, we basically teach them how to snorkel, provide all the equipment, guide them out into the water. And it was remarkable to see how much those visits, which were often the first visit for many of the kids involved, their first time seeing the ocean, to see how much those visits sparked amazement and joy. You know, San Diego is famous for its beaches, but it's also not easy for many San Diego residents to even get to those beaches, um, even with public transportation. Um, unfortunately, one of these organizations that I used to volunteer with started taking kids from more privileged families, and it, it just it really wasn't the same, taking out students who had already been on scuba diving trips with family on family vacations to the tropics um, you know kids who scuba dived away before I ever had a chance to scuba dive it didn't feel that fulfilling to take them on a little snorkel outing um, anyway access to nature is not as simple as just getting out there like is there transportation to get out there in the first place uh, and if it is public transportation, like how much does it cost? How accessible is that public transportation? How much longer does it take to get there? You know, you can say, oh, there's buses to the beach, but if it's going to take hours to get there, who, you know, who has that time? Is there even an awareness of what is out there? Like what is worth visiting? Is there a sense of security in what the experience will be like? a sense of familiarity with whatever equipment or supplies or activities you need to feel okay going on the trail or in the water. Um, so there's a lot to consider and, and I, I encourage anyone who might be kind of dismissive about those who have trouble accessing nature to really like put yourself in their shoes and, and think okay actually it's not the most easy thing to do in many cases. So I've included some links uh, in the transcript for organizations who work along these lines of kind of empowering people, underserved communities to access nature. Such experiences can be the spark to someone's lifelong journey in enjoying nature, in finding health and mental or emotional benefits from nature, in discovering confidence in their own abilities and skills, and in pursuing education and career pathways to support sustainability. As you heard from Angel and Anaya in the previous episode, even as students who had already chosen a major and are almost done with their undergraduate education, their opportunity for immersion through the Lenovo partnership really made a, a meaningful contribution to their confidence, skills, and perspectives. So I want to thank Gerald, Anaya, and Angel once more for their time, as well as the team at MP Strategy for coordinating these chats. And the next episode will be a journey to the west coast of Africa, where we learned about a fantastic organization doing work on marine megafauna out there. 
Yes, we are back to the realm of large marine animals. I couldn't stay away for long. Thank you for listening and take care. ยาลาเฮตุกปาจีเยสิงโคดานเวนาสวนเลตุปยองเวอาผุเซลโลเลเซลันเนลาปาจีเยกงโกซองเนตุลาเวไหนเชิญลงไม่อยากไปอะไรมาตุ๊ดทะเลกงเชวาเรไม่มีบุเฮใส่เตลดาโดเนอโซเทลไลปาเนอาลองเพย์มาโลดูกาเกวนาย Chilla ซาวชาวเลมิมิตาซุกญีโกมองนมาไตเบเลอเวนิตรีซัลโลเตซองกาเลเทเตเฮลูไดมากอซิตาวอชิเบโลบาเซยโดเนโอแจมเปียไลป